You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Father will never ever love you more than he does right now. You can't gain any more of his love than he's given to you, than he's disposing upon you, that he's pouring out upon you. You can't gain any more. But the religious box says you have to obey this tradition, you have to obey that tradition, and you'll get more of God's love. You'll be more rich. Well, that's a falsity. This is the religious box. The fact that it's aimless because it doesn't justify. It can't redeem. The traditions of men cannot redeem you. Many people project their own emotions onto God. Since we have to earn one another's trust and love, we think we have to do the same for God. Pastor Dave reminds us today that there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any more than he does already. Stop compensating when all he wants is your faith and love. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Religious Box. going to continue forward in our study of the Gospel of John. So if you would turn to your Bibles to John chapter 5, we are still in chapter 5, specifically verses 10 through 15 or 9 through 15. All right, I'm going to read these verses aloud. If you'd like to follow along silently, please. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 9, I'm going to start with, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. So I'm going to begin by reading you the opening words of the prologue to one of my most favorite movies. And the list is long of my favorite movies. This one happens to be Fiddler on the Roof. You know that the main character, Tevye, speaks to the camera, which he always does. And he sets the stage. And let me share with you what he says. Quote, a fiddler on the roof. Sounds crazy, no? But in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof. Just trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy, you may ask. Why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? We stay because Anatevka is our home. And how do we keep our balance? I can tell you in one word. Tradition. Tradition. Because of our tradition, he continues, we've kept our balance for many, many years. And here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to eat, 
how to sleep, even how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered, and we always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition start? I'll tell you, I don't know. But it's a tradition. Because of our tradition, everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. And, of course, they go into the beautiful song, Tradition. Tradition is mentioned some 11 times in the New Testament. And it's seen in two very distinct and different contexts. First, you have the traditions of men. These traditions are man's interpretations of what God's word says. And these interpretations do several things. They either nullify the scriptures or they're not supported by the scriptures. These are man's interpretations. They are man-made. Secondly, written in the scriptures are the traditions of God. These traditions actually come from God's word. They come and are in accordance with his word. They're recorded in his word. Here at Calvary Chapel, we celebrate one of these traditions every single month on the first Sunday of the month. Communion. It was given to us by God, and it has become a tradition that we settle here, and that we serve, and that we do. But throughout the scriptures, there are warnings against the traditions of men. See, these traditions are any traditions or customs or precepts or laws that are in opposition to, that are contrary to, or even do away with the commands of God. These commands of God can be found in his word. And these customs, these rituals, are inventions. And they're the traditions of men and men alone. And they are separate and apart from the word of God. We must be extremely cautious of the of the traditions of men passed down from time to time, even by our own forefathers. For quite some time now, if you've come to Calvary Chapel, whether on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday evening and heard me from this podium, you've heard me mention the religious box. That's what these traditions are. I call these traditions the religious box. Box, because those who are caught up in the religious box do not focus on the word of God. Instead, they focus on works. They focus on their traditions, and they focus on the law through legalism, and they focus on other people's walks. They always want to know how other people are doing and compare themselves to other people. And it's almost like they have a scorecard, walk around going, oh, well, <laughs> you did that, and you did this. They're fruit inspectors. They're looking at things the wrong way. They're basing everything they know on the traditions of man and not the commandments of God. The bottom line here is that these traditions of man have no equal authority to the word of God. None whatsoever. The word of God will always, I repeat, always take precedent. It will always take priority over the traditions of man. Now, as I've stated, Scripture gives warnings about following these traditions and keeping them above the commandments of God. For example, in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, I'll start at 17. Listen to what Peter says. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Why? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received 
by the traditions of your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. What's Peter saying here? He's describing the frame of mind which seeks to be justified by the laws and traditions. And he describes them as aimless conduct. Aimless conduct. It seems that they think they have an aim. They want to gain merit with God. Now, I want to make this perfectly clear so that all of you understand what I'm trying to say. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, will never ever love you more than he does right now. You can't gain any more of his love than he's given to you, than he's disposing upon you, than he's pouring out upon you. You can't gain any more. But the religious box says you have to obey this tradition, you have to obey that tradition, and you'll get more of God's love. You'll be more rich. Well, that's a falsity. This is the religious box. The fact that it's aimless because it doesn't justify. It can't redeem. The traditions of men cannot redeem you. The traditions of men are of no value when it comes to your salvation. You can follow every single tradition of man your entire life, but if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not be redeemed. And that's the bottom line. Only the precious blood of Jesus Christ, only his precious blood shed for us on a cross that day gives us the forgiveness of sin, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And only that, and that's what Peter is saying, Paul, as he wrote to the Colossian church, the church of Colossae, he said this in chapter 2, verse 8, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. See, man wants to place you in the religious box. Man wants to give you rules and regulations that you have to follow. Man wants to do all these things because that's man's way. That's called religion. We buy into it thinking that we'll get a better standard with God. We'll get a better standing with God. Paul warns that the tradition of men absolutely have no equal value with the word of God. None whatsoever. This is our standard right here. The word of God is our standard by which we live and which we conduct ourselves. Anything added to it, anything take away from it, you need to run and flee. This is our standard. The religious leaders placed the traditions of man above the commandments of God. I can prove that. There's a beautiful exchange between Jesus and the religious Pharisees in Mark 7. And in Mark 7, the religious Pharisees got angry at Jesus' disciples because they weren't ceremonially washing their hands and the pitchers and things before they ate. And he was angry at them. And though they had this exchange, the Pharisees say to him, beginning in verse 7, or excuse me, 5, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Jesus responds, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things. All too well, you reject the commandment of God that you would keep your tradition. Ouch. Ouch. Jesus railing at them. So in our scriptures, we see Jesus' first encounter with the religious box. This is his first encounter, and this will continue. This encounter, this tension, this turmoil, these arguments will continue from now until the time they nail him to the cross. 
In fact, what we're going to talk about today, many believe, is basically the straw that broke the camel's back because he constantly and continually disobeys their laws concerning the Sabbath day. He healed the man. The man had been lame for 38 years. 38 years of going to the pool and being carried there. 38 years of lying there, waiting for someone to come down to the pool when the pool was troubled by the angel, it says. Waiting and waiting. And he said to Jesus, I have no one to carry me to the pool. He started making excuses. In verse 8, Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. In the verse 9a, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Immediately the man was made well and he walked and he carried his bed with him. Jesus said, carry your bed. Leave nothing to go behind. Don't have something waiting for you to easily go back and be back in that religious box. Get up and move. And as we look at verse 9b and 10, you find out that this doesn't sit well with the religious Pharisees, with those in the religious box. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Enter the religious leaders. Enter the ones who are caught in the religious box. Because the man was carrying his mat on the Sabbath day, they questioned him. Now this is absurd. This is absurd. They weren't rejoicing that this man was healed after 38 years of being lame. They weren't praising God for this wonderful act that the man was healed, this miracle. They were more interested in him, this man, disobeying one of their traditional rules regarding the Sabbath. They were focused on him breaking the Sabbath law. They were focused on him breaking their tradition. Their tradition on the Sabbath said no one could do anything that resembled work. Get this. No one could do anything resembling work to the point that if you had a wooden leg, you couldn't wear it. If you had false teeth that were made out of wood, you couldn't put them in. That was considered work. When this tradition was broken, it outraged the religious leaders. They were outraged that this one tradition was broken. Now, like Tevye on the fiddle on the roof, they had traditions for everything. And these traditions come from the man-made interpretations of the commandments of God. There were 613 commandments of God. You can find them all in Exodus and Leviticus. 613 commandments of God. But then they decided that they were going to interpret these rules. They were going to interpret these things and tell you how you should live, how you should obey this. They had traditions that were developed concerning the Sabbath. They sought to interpret the Sabbath law. The law that had been given to Moses by God. And all it said was this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall work or labor, and on the seventh you shall rest. Period. That's all it said. So they have decided that all these laws now were going to come into being. And they did this thing, and they made it into a book. It's called the Mishnah. The book is called a Mishnah. Now, are you ready for this? In the Mishnah, when it comes to the Sabbath day, there are 23 chapters that tell you what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. 23 chapters on that one commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. 23 chapters. Talk about a religious box. The religious leaders of the time, they would interpret this and they would write it down. And the crazy thing about it is it continued to change. As new rabbis came in, they would add more laws. They would add more things. This interpretation, 
They decided what labor was. Our Calvary Chapel theologian, David Guzik, he explains it this way, quote, carrying a bed, which was actually his sleeping mat or his bedroll, was in fact a violation of the rabbi's interpretation of the commandment against doing work or business on the Sabbath. It was not breaking of God's law for the Sabbath, but it was breaking of the human interpretation of God's law. This is what they were questioning this man about. Hence, I give you the religious box. I give you what the religious box looked like, following man's traditions and not God's commands. The healed man was breaking a man-made law, a tradition that was put in place by their leaders, and they strictly enforced it. You could get death by breaking this law. They strictly enforced it. And that's what the religious box does. The interrogation continued in verses 11 and 12. He answered them, the man who was made well, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Well, this guy had been healed after 38 years, and the clergy wasn't happy. <laughs> In some sense, this happens all the time. When a church tradition is broken, there comes contention. There comes problems. There comes all sorts of things when we break a church tradition. How many of you are upset when you come in and somebody's sitting in your seat? Well, I tell you right now, people get upset with that. When I look out, I can tell where you all sit. I know exactly where you're sitting. I can find you because I know where it is you're sitting. We have the prison wall over there. Those people always sit over there on that wall. Then we have the amen corner over here. I can tell who's sitting where. I know. I can look around. I can see who's sitting where. I know where. And when I want to find you, I just look that way. There you are. Tradition. Come on. You do it all the time. And woe be to anybody sitting in your seat, let me tell you something. But there's contention when tradition is broken. When somebody comes to us and goes, but we always did it that way. <laughs> we always did it that way. See, people get so in tuned and ingrained in their traditions, they think that it becomes holier than that. Oh, you're going to change the order of church? Oh, what will God think? God's not going to be happy. We're changing the order of church. Yeah, we're going to have the announcements after the first song instead of before. Oh, my God. <laughs> we get upset when Jesus doesn't work the way we want him to work. We get upset when Jesus doesn't do what we expect him to do. Every one of us has expectations, and every one of us thinks we know how Jesus should work. I mean, after all, I prayed today. I read eight psalms. I spent an hour in the scriptures. I know what's going to happen today because it's going to be this way, that way, and that way. And then when it doesn't happen, you go, what happened? Jesus didn't meet your expectations. I got news for you. There's a word called sovereignty. God is sovereign. He has mercy on whom he has mercy. He has compassion on whom he has compassion. Who are we to question his ways? His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Well, we do that. We contend with the Lord. I fasted. I prayed. And still this happened. We put expectations on our God. Religious leaders didn't even care about the man who was healed. They didn't even care about his new freedom, being able to walk after 38 years. They weren't worshiping with him. They weren't praising God. They were too busy trying to find fault. They were too busy trying to find who's to blame. Why are you carrying your bed? Well, the guy who made me well said to carry it. Well, where is he and who is he? Let's get this guy. 
They wanted to know who told him to do this. And once again, they could care less about his hearing. They were focused on who broke the law. This is the epitome of the religious box. It's the epitome of the religious box, not focusing on God, but focusing on man and man's laws and man's rules and what man thinks. Not giving God the glory, majoring on the minor and not the major. It was the traditions of the Sabbath that Jesus deliberately challenged throughout his entire ministry. He deliberately went for this because he knew it was such a sore subject. Now, I love what Warren Wiersbe says, quote, The Pharisees had taken the Sabbath, which was God's gift to humanity, and transformed it into a prison house of regulations and restrictions. I love that, unquote. It continues this day, folks, because the religious box is a prison. If you find yourself caught in the religious box, it is a prison. It's a prison of self-made, man-made rules and regulations that usually don't even line up with God's word. Look at verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. The man didn't know it was Jesus who healed him. Jesus went away. He didn't live. And let me take this aside, folks. Look around here. Jesus went to that pool of Bethesda for one person. He went down there for one person. One person. There was a multitude there. Jesus looked around and saw all these people, and he healed the one man, and he withdrew. He got away. Everyone didn't get healed. Everyone didn't get healed that day. To this man's credit, he did know where to give thanks for healing, because look at verse 14 and 15. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, now that you've been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing happen, come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Jesus was concerned about this man. He had healed him, and now he was concerned about his spiritual well-being, which was what Jesus is always concerned about. Jesus always takes things to the spiritual. He leaves the physical behind and takes it to the spiritual. He did a physical healing only to point to the spiritual. This man went to the right place. He went to the temple to give glory to God for a healing. He went to the right place, and Jesus sought him out. Jesus looked for him. Had the man heard of Jesus? We don't know. But to this credit, this is where he goes to get healing. Jesus found him. I love that. I love that. This man was praising God, and Jesus found him. When you're praising God, Jesus will find you, especially when you're praising him in the midst of a dark time. When you're praising him in the midst of a horrible time, when you're praising him in the midst of a calamity, when you're praising him in the midst of an affliction, when you're praising him in the midst of a dark, dark hour, God will find you. He will be there with you. He will comfort you during that time. As you praise him, you will get your mind off of the circumstances that are befalling you, and you will get them on what is mattered most, and that's God, Jesus Christ. When we fix our mind on him, Everything else seems to fade away, and nothing else seems to matter. Jesus will meet you there in the midst of the storm. You will feel his tender touch, and you will be comforted. You will know that he's there. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I Am, 
In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.